We'll get started here in just a moment. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, what you have planned for us. Father, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds, Father. We thank you for what you're going to do this morning. Father, we just ask you to come into this moment. Come into this church. Come into this place, God. We ask you, God, to just full, uh, pour out your presence. Pour out your glory, Father. We yield to your presence today. We yield to what you want to do, God. God, we ask you, Father, just to, to tip us over today, God. Let your glory come. Let your power come. Let your anointing come. The anointing that breaks every yoke, Father. Let it come today, Father. We thank you, God, for, for, for uh, uh, what you're going to say. Father, we thank you for the new era that we've entered into. Father, we thank you that uh, uh, that we're going to begin to see prophetic promises come to pass in this season, God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that awakening and revival is here, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your light of glory is shining upon us and around us and all through us. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that today is a good day. Today is a new day. Today is your day. And Father, we are excited to worship you. We're excited to praise you. We're excited to host your presence today, God. Father, we just give you this day. We give you our songs. We give you our praise. We give you our worship. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are at attention and we're expectant on what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give your neighbor a hug and uh, let's get ready to worship the Lord together. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. We come alive in the river. 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 There's a current. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising, rising. Bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. 
bursting, bursting up from the ground. We feel it now. We come alive in the river. 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 Break open prison doors. Set all the captives free. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in me. Nothing can stop this joy. We're dancing in the streets. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in me. We come alive. We come alive in the river. 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 Come alive. We come alive in the river. Hallelujah. We come alive. Bless your name, Father. We thank you for your river today. Thank you for your river. Thank you for your joy. We thank you for your peace today, Father. Thank you, Lord. an open heaven you're releasing and we will never be denied because we're stirring up deep deep wells we're stirring up deep deep waters we're gonna dance in the river dance in the river we're stirring up deep deep wells we're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna jump in the river. Jump in the river. Deep cries out, deep cries out to. Deep cries out, deep cries out to. We cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. I've got a river of living water. 
I never will run dry. It's an open heaven you're releasing, and we will never be denied. Stirring up, yes, we are, and we're stirring up deep, deep wells, stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna dance in the river, dance in stirring up we're stirring up deep deep wells we're stirring up deep deep waters we're gonna jump in the river jump in the river deep cries deep cries out to deep cries out to deep cries out deep cries we cry out we cry out we cry out to you jesus deep cries Deep cries out, deep cries out to, deep cries out, deep cries out to, oh, we cry out, we cry out to you, Jesus. And we're falling into deeper waters, calling out to you, and we're walking into deeper our hands together this morning. Father, we thank you for a saturation of your glory today, a saturation of your power today, a saturation of hunger, a saturation of glory reign. Father, we thank you, Lord, that this day is our day. Uh, this day is our day where we cross over into what you planned for us. Lord, we're crossing over the threshold. Father, we prophesy today that the winds of heaven are blowing, that open the heavens are open over us, and we declare that this is the day that you have made. And God, we will rejoice. We will rejoice. We will rejoice. We will rejoice in what you're doing. Those of those we have to wait processes God we stand on your promise we stand on your word we thank you Lord for this new season for this new era and God we declare that we're not going back but we're going forward and we thank you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Lord we thank you Lord come on oh we worship you Jesus shout of praise hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord bless your name
We're not holding anything back from you. We're giving you our all. I am chosen. I am free. I am living for eternity. Free now forever. You picked me up. Turned me around. You set my feet on solid ground. Yours now forever. Well, nothing's gonna hold me back. Come on. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Yeah, come on, let's declare it today. My chains fell off. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I'm alive. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Amazing love. Amazing love. How can it be? You give everything for me. You give everything for me. Everything. You wash my sin and shame away. The slate is clean. A brand new day. Free now forever. Now boldly I approach your throne to claim this crown through Christ my own. Nothing's gonna hold me back. 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 My chains fell off. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I'm alive. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. You give everything for me You give 
gave everything for me. Amazing love, how can it be? You give everything for me. You give everything for me. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands across the room. Father, we thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your love today. Father, we declare our dependence upon you today. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Ooh, we need you more. How we worship you. I need you more More than yesterday I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you Lord I need you Before I need you, Lord. I 
sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Be all blessing and honor and glory and power forever be all blessing and honor and glory and power forever to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb, to him who sits on the throne, and unto the Lamb. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of word That'll bless your heart bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart i'm coming back come on I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, when I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song 
for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper. You search much deeper with me. Through the way. Through the way things appear. You're looking. You're looking into my Come on, across the room, let's declare it today. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. All about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. Just say that with me. It's all about you. 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 Oh, it's all about. It's all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's not about you. about you yes it is oh yes it is it's all about you it's all about you yes it is oh it's all about you it's all about you. 
Let's do that again. It's all about you. It's all about you. Yes, and it's all about you. It's all about you. And it's all about you. And it's all about you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Why don't you begin to worship the Lord in your heavenly language across the room? Come on. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Come on, church. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy. is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. Come and die. for you come on across the room and I I'm lost I'm lost without you this is the air this is the This is the air I breathe. Holy presence. Your holy presence. Living in me. My daily bread. This is my daily bread. It's my daily bread. This is my daily
Nothing else matters but your presence. Nothing else matters but your glory. Nothing else matters, Jesus. Not a program, not a plan, not an agenda. Father, your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Oh, Jesus. 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 Come on, lift your hands across the room. Come on. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you today, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. 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 We lift you up today. We lift you up today. We lift you up today. Lift you up today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I am. Uh... Wow. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. We thank you for your glory, Father. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your glory. Father, as we move forward, we thank you, Lord, that the atmosphere is saturated with your glory. And Father, our hearts are open to receive that which you'll have to say to us today. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that this is already a blessed house, but we thank you, for, for Lord, for finding favor with us. Finding favor. We thank you for today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on. Why don't you hug your neighbor, greet your neighbor. Thank you for worshiping with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man. <clears throat> the Holy 
Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Wow, 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 wow. Amen. Well, we're going to get ready to uh, uh, take up our uh, regular tithe and offering. But before we do that, I want to... Um, I want to mention just a few announcements, and then we're going to get back into the glory. Um, this Wednesday, well, this is if this is your first time to the Gathering Place, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And uh, can we give our first-time visitors a great big, we love you. Welcome our live stream audience. Thank you. Honored to have everyone here today. Um, this Wednesday, we'll, we'll be kicking off our new series of Wednesday night gatherings. We're going to kick it off with a, kick it off with a night of worship. And our special guest is um, uh, our one of our apostles, Joan Hunter, is going to be here Wednesday night. And if you know someone who needs a fresh touch of God in their body, uh, someone who's struggling physically in their health or uh, in money situations, whatever it may be, bring them here on Wednesday. We're going to pray for everybody in attendance, and it's going to be a good time from the Lord. Amen? Amen. There's a lot happening here at the Gathering Place. You can check out our website, teachp.church or Facebook. We have some great guest speakers coming in. Bill and Renee Morris are coming in March. Daniel, Daniel Pringle is coming in March. Um, I think we got somebody in February coming. So it just who's coming in February? Oh, Susan Richardson's coming in February. And so it's going to be a good time in the Lord. So um, some folks say buckle your seatbelts. I say unbuckle them. And go. we're about to go for a, a wild ride. Amen? Amen. Amen. So at this time, I want to welcome Pastor Carl Kaufman to come and uh, to do our take up our offering this morning. Let's give him a hand clap as he comes to receive our offering today. Good morning. As we prepare for our tithes and offerings, uh, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, and Brother Scott will sure get you one. They're going to be showing up on the screen, you know, how you can give online and, and how you can also text to give. Uh, one, e one evening... Uh, in the RV, and as most of y'all know, I live in Louisiana most of the time in my RV because that's where I'm working right now. But uh, I was watching a YouTube video of Robert Morris, and he was talking about provision. And he mentioned a scripture, 1 Kings 17, about Elijah and the widow. And he says, we miss the message in that scripture most of the time. And he moved on because he was talking about provision. So I had to get into scripture. I didn't listen to the rest of his YouTube. I said, okay. So I read the scripture and the Holy Spirit and I had a conversation. If you don't have a conversation with the Holy Spirit, you're not getting it. It's not just about praying. It's conversational language. I'm going to read you the scripture and I'm going to share what the Holy Spirit showed me. It's First uh, Kings 17, starting in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Seraphat, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So he, she said, 
as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have been asked, but make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, to me that's provision. Then the conversation got real interesting. God reminded me, the Holy Spirit reminded me that Elijah had been fed by the ravens. And the Holy Spirit said, and you can laugh if you want to, he says, Carl, don't you think I could have delivered a Big Mac fries and a Diet Coke with the Ravens if that's what I wanted to do? Fact of the matter is, and we laugh, God knew about the Big Mac in Elijah's time. He chose to wait until the 20th century to bless the McDonald's brothers and introducing it to us. So the scripture is not so much about provision as it is that God used Elijah to set up the widow so he could bless her and her son. He sent Elijah to set the stage. She was obedient and she was blessed over and abundantly. So that's the message this morning is, is that as you bring your tithes and offerings, God is going to set it up to bless you because you're obedient to what he says and this morning Holy Spirit added added this out of Revelation 3 this is the message translation I see what you've done now see what I've done I've opened the door before you that no one can slam shut you don't have much strength I know that you used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me even when times were rough. I love this scripture. I read it all the time, but I've never read it in the message translation until this morning in that last statement that even when the times are rough. I've had some rough times. God's always brought me through. I tell you that he will do the same for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together and, and the time to prepare to really participate in what you do. We thank you that your promise is that you're going to bless us as we're obedient to you. And I thank you for the blessings that you're going to pour out over every person that participates in giving this morning, whether they're here or online or whether they're just doing it, not even participating in this specific message and this specific uh, service this morning Lord you are so abundant and you give so much in Jesus name Amen
Amen. You can give up here in the offering receptacles or in the back in the black container. You can do that at this time. We're going to uh, skip over to our next thing. Um, so I'll give that up. If you want to give now, you can. If you've already given, thank you so much. I know many of you give online and via text. So we appreciate your generosity. Thank you so very much. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Those that are watching, you can give at tgp.church. There's a little link there, and you can give that, give your uh, offering there. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go ahead and move forward. Before we have Tommy and Jeannie Tenney come to this morning, first of all, thank you both for taking uh, the time to come and be with us today here in Southeast Texas. And, um, I believe you're here. this is a historic moment in the heavenlies. Uh, the Lord knew that he had this date circled on his calendar a long time ago. And I believe there's a, a mighty uh, impartation that will be released today. Amen. And um, you'll be given an opportunity um, at the end of the message to sow a seed into God Chasers Network. I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, the largest seed that you have, I want you to plant it into this ministry. Because I'm going to share with you how this ministry has impacted me. And I know um, this, impact, this ministry has impacted others as well across the world. But for me specifically, um, I was 18 years old and I got a hold of a book called God's Favorite House. And um, I, did, I wasn't sure what I was looking for. I knew I was wanting more. Everybody say more. And, um, um, and so I found this book. I don't, I don't remember where I bought it at, but. But it got my attention. It reminded me of my grandma's house. And this is what it looked like back uh, when I was younger. <laughs> I think it's a new cover, ain't it? No? Yeah. So this is what it looked like back then. And so I, I, I got it out of my uh, library last night. And I began to thumb back through it. And all my memories came back from when I was a teenager. And when when I got a hold of this book, I, I went to, I got to, I think it's, what chapter is this? Let me see. I think it was chapter two. Yeah, chapter two. And, you know, we've we've hosted many meetings. And I, when I was a teenager, we began having a meeting called Encounter. And it was a regional youth rally gathering where we invited young people across our region to come and just pray and worship. And we would actually use their worship CD called God Chasers. It had David and Nicole Binion on it. And we'd play that sucker and we wore that thing out. And um, we would use that to worship. And, um, and then... Uh, I dug this book out last night and I began to reread it and I got to the same point where God messed me up the last time. And we, you know, many of you know, we, we, we host a conference called Open Heavens. And this book was the seed that planted that open heaven uh, mentality concept into my life. And on page number 31, there's a question and it says, what is an open heaven? And it says, and Tommy writes and says, what do I mean when I talk about an open heaven? An open heaven is a place of easy access to God. And here on the on this page, I have dated November 10th, 2001. And I didn't even know I dated it back then. I mean, Jeff said, Jeff said last night, you used, you used, you used to write in your books? Because I don't write in books now. And um, like I said, I guess I did. And November the 10th, 2001 is when God planted and impregnated me with the open heaven um, ministry. And it's all because 
he messed me up. <laughs> and um, and so as as time would go go on, um, and I'll make this real fast because he's the the guest. But I had a personal encounter with God that wrecked my life, and 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 I got up there. I left that moment with a limp, Tommy, and um, and I never was the same again. And I hungered for more of God, and I wanted more. And I got frustrated when I couldn't get more. I got frustrated with program. I got frustrated with church agenda. And I just wanted more. And our church wasn't birthed out of a church split. Our church was birthed out of the presence of God. And um, and I have a lot to be thankful for, for Tommy Tenney and Jeannie and, Jeannie and this book here, and of course the Word of God. But this book lit me on fire. And like I always say, stay lit. <laughs> and so I'm going to thank the Tenney's. For being here today and being such a, a, a powerful voice in my life and I'm thankful for what you guys have done so let's stand and welcome Tommy and Jeannie Tinney to the gathering place and back to Southeast Texas I can't believe that was that many years ago if you look at the picture of me on the back of that book, I look way, way different. I do have a beard, but it's dark brown. I have, I do have hair, but I have a lot more of it. And uh, now I tried out for Santa Claus in December and didn't make it, so I'm working on the next year. Jeannie and I are excited to be here. I'm doing one of my absolute most fun things, and that is to go to a new church, make a relationship with a, a pastor that I'm, I I haven't haven't known. My books kind of circled the, the globe. They've been published in forty different languages, and I don't. Some some people ask me, well. How many have been sold? I quit counting. Um, the last time I was aware of a count was probably way more than 10 years ago, you think, Jeannie? And God Chasers alone, 10 years ago or more, was 4 million copies in English. And I don't know about the rest of the languages. Typically, English is the, in fact, English is always the number one seller. And then Spanish, and then it's um, it can either be Korean or Indonesian, which is really interesting because God has given me incredible open doors in Indonesia, which is the most populous Muslim nation on the planet, and it lets me. Uh, well, in fact, I, I would have some artifacts from, from Indonesia, and I passed by them in my house yesterday, and it just made me, it's been several months since I've, I've been there, and I just sent a pastor a text. He actually had given me those, I'll tell you what they are, because, you know, I, I'm, huh? Yes, uh, I like knives. Okay, 
You do too? No, this man is anointed. And we have the same spirit. And we walk in the same. Got a knife on you? Oh, after church, we'll look at Because I, I have one too. We'll, we'll talk about them. But here, he even, I, I looked up our shoes, our, our boots are almost identical. And Pastor is, um, he got the memo, but we're darker brown and he's lighter brown. When my wife said it's okay to wear jeans here, I figured it's okay to wear boots too. Ever, you're in Texas, that's right. But this is about as close to Louisiana as you can be. In fact, the state line of Louisiana makes a swing at Lake Charles, and it goes east over to about Beaumont, and then it goes south. Because you guys love boiled crawfish too. <laughs> now, you go any further west, you know, over there, you know, toward... Actually, there's a lot of uh, exiled refugee Cajuns in Houston, but uh, other than them, you know, it's, it's, it gets interesting. But I was, uh, this pastor in uh, Indonesia knew I like knives, and he gave me three uh, Indonesian knives. They're, they're antique. In fact, he said uh, one of them is maybe... Uh, 200 years old, I, I don't know. I, they're really ornate. Just made me miss them. Uh, and my in, first introduction to them was through books. And then then they contacted me, and I made friends. A lot of times I meet friends I didn't know I've had. Like uh, Pastor John right here. I really didn't know, even though our, our lives have actually uh, crossed in a lot of different ways. I've preached in this area a lot for Randy and Renee Clark, and others all around here. By the way, okay, Pastor, am I seeing double? Because I dropped my water bottle and I looked up and I thought you were handing it to me, but then you were still standing up here. It, that that that's a little bit. I know you might be spiritual, but I don't think that you're that spiritual. You have a twin brother. Where is he now? Oh, back there. So you're John, and he is Jeff. Nice to meet you, Jeff. I'm sorry about your brother. Okay. <laughs> Is that mom? I'm, I'm sure that was a surprise. Four days. Now you've had how many years? To... 37. I, I, I don't blame you for not remembering. It's just all a blur, right? Well, uh, not only is Jeannie here with me, but my middle daughter came with us. Tasha, stand up. She's back there at our book table. She has that stylish scarf around her neck. I love my, I call her Tasha. Uh, keep us in prayer. And the 
thanks in advance for your generosity. We leave this week to uh, go to speak in France. Actually, the reason I'm here, I guess go ahead and tell them why I'm here. I wasn't supposed to be here. Uh, I was supposed to be preaching in Kathmandu, Nepal today. In case you didn't know, it's a long way from Kathmandu, Nepal to Port Neches, Texas. But we ran into some problems with our trip. Uh, not only the coronavirus, and they closed the, the northern borders of Nepal, but uh, do you guys know Brian Naren? I just thought you might. He's in, it floats through our same circles. Uh, he was, he went to Nepal just a little back, little while back, and to go in to do missions and was taking money because when you go into places like that, um, you need money. If, you, if you're going to give them money to drill water wells or, or feed the pastors at a conference or take care of a Sometimes I've taken care of entire conferences, so you take money in, and he, I think he had about ten thousand dollars with him, which sounds like a lot. But when you're trying to dig a well and do all the other things that you might be needing to do, help build a school, that's not a lot of money. Uh, but they arrested him, or as my grandson would say, they arresticated him. Uh, he and and they chart their chart. What really happened is he wouldn't pay a bribe. If I had got to him, I would have said, "Pay the bribe and call it tax," because that's just how they live. They don't pay their public servants enough to exist, and they expect them to make up the difference. And when they see an American coming, well, they really make up the difference. But he is, uh, was arrested and put in jail, and he's, they've now let him out. He's at a hotel, but uh, you need to pray for him. And when all of that and the, 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 the virus and things came together, the Lord said, Thou shalt not go to Nepal. Do you know who the Lord is in my life? Right there. She waved her hand, uh, and I have learned to—I've learned to listen to my wife. Uh, I've, I've been in dangerous situa situ situations before. I've—I've I've thought I was going to die. I—I've uh, I've been held up. I've—I um, have. Uh, Oh, you know, I never told you, but I just realized I let one slip. I had never told her that I'd been held up. I, I tell people when she's not around, but she's really not going to let me go anywhere now. Um, I've uh, they've threatened to bomb the meetings. I'm not. I'm not afraid. I've I've now told her. Look, if something happens, I've lived a long, happy life, and. Uh, I have I have no fear. I don't walk in fear. You're raised in New Orleans and grew up. I mean, in Louisiana and grew up around New Orleans, and much not much gonna scare you. I used to 
when I was in my teens, walk a beat on Bourbon Street with a cop who was a, a, a believer, went to the went to the church there, and um, you, you know, they have some dangerous bars down there. They have bars that have metal detectors to check to see if you don't if you have a gun. And if you don't have one, they give you one just to make it all even. <laughs> That's not far from the truth. But I, I, I'm not really afraid, but wisdom dictated that this is not the best time to go. So you pray that the other... Um, another reason that in the back of my mind, and I never even conversed with my wife about this, I can no longer, I used to be able to go into China and do ministry. But uh, one time when I went, I got followed. And the pastors that I worked with, or the, or the, the leader of the pastors that I worked with was arrested after I left. And uh, he's never been seen since. And so when I went back the next time, they have no way of getting a message out to you. So when I went back the next time, you make contact. They met me at a TGI Fridays in Shanghai because it's a Western restaurant and it's easy for Americans to walk in there and not be noticed so much. And met with my contacts there and they said, we're sorry, you cannot come see us. You can't, you can't we can't have no dealing. We're eating lunch with you today, but. It's, this restaurant's not watched a whole lot because they expect Americans to come, but you you can't. And told me the story. When uh, Tibet is claimed by China, which is right by Nepal, and uh, Nepal is all but Chinese in, in name only, so uh, I think it's easier for the rest of the team to to get in there than me. Of course, it could have something to do that I have my, my biggest selling books, God Chasers especially, free available as a download online in two languages. Arabic, because I want the Arabic world to get that message, and Chinese. So maybe I've been found out. Uh, but that's okay. I got other places to go that are just as important, like Port Natchez, Texas. Woohoo! Come on! Don't put it past God to pencil in one thing on your schedule, only to erase that to say, I just wanted you to be in the right mindset so that you would be open to a, a last minute. Uh, and I, I, I have to be honest. My wife controls my schedule completely. I, I, she's in charge of my schedule. You know why I, I say that? First of all, how many of you use the GPS? Okay. Got a question. Why is the default voice on a GPS always a woman? The default. I mean, if you just turn it on, it's, it's what? I got the answer. Because we men are accustomed to the women in our lives telling us where to go. (laughs) 
Yeah. <coughs> but I have to preach the truth, brother, whatever it costs me. So my wife tells me where to go, where not to go, and I trust her explicitly. Uh, she's been doing that for many years now. And I am not even really sure of all the details of how I wound up here today because she told me what she wanted me to know. And she said, you're not going to Nepal. And I have met Pastor John. And, well, I'm here. And I'm excited. I started that 10-minute talk by just telling you I'm doing something that is one of the most exciting things in my life, going to a new church, meeting new people, making new friends with the pastor, and especially when you're halfway Cajun. I don't, know, I don't want to make you mad like I'm trying to say, because Texans are proud too, but not, every, not all Texans eat boiled crawfish, right? So they, they don't know what they're missing. That's right. Yeah, well, do you claim Port Arthur? I didn't want. I didn't want to cause a problem. <laughs> you want to hear a, an, an interesting story about the grace and the and and the mercy and the favor of God? What do you like those? Uh, I wouldn't be here today if not for an event that took place in uh, Port Arthur, and without looking at my notes. Uh, grandfather died in 19 he either died in 97 and he was 96 or he died in 96 and he was 97 so it, it died 96 when he was a young man before he and my grandmother had any children they got married when my grandmother was 14 my grandfather was 19 uh, so if he were alive today he would be what 100 and 23 or something like that so you're going back let's put it back into his early 20s that's it's 100 years ago 100 years ago the refineries were just starting to get big in port Arthur. as you guys know there's some of the oldest existing refineries in the u.s and he had found they were from west texas my grandfather tells me growing up about Literal cowboy and Indian fights as the the struggle for the West took place, and uh, moved here to get a refinery job. That was really good money in hundred hundred years ago. I can't believe that. That's probably about right. It would have been um, nineteen uh, what nineteen twenty? Is that right? It's twenty twenty now. So nineteen twenty, and. They were not Christians. They were not believers. In fact, they were pretty rough. Uh, uh, as my grandfather used to say, rough as a corn cob. Now, a lot of us here don't know anything about how rough an old dry corn cob can be or what it used to be used for. Just leave it right there. If you don't understand, ask somebody later. Not now. Uh, he... Uh, he was 
come, he'd come home from the refinery, no air conditioning in those days. And my grandmother's pattern was to do her ironing in the morning, and they would do it out on the porch so it's not so hot and doesn't heat up the house. So every morning she'd do a little bit of ironing so it didn't get, didn't get behind on it. And for a, a period of time, she noticed the, a lady walking by her house at the same time in the morning. And they would smile and, and nod. And one day, that lady that had walked by several days before uh, just turned up, I guess the sidewalk it would have been, and walked up to my grandmother and said, we've been seeing each other on the way. My grandmother replied, yeah, being friendly. And she said, I, I just want to tell you, I've been going to a prayer meeting, a, a, a early morning prayer meeting at our church just a few blocks down here. And uh, we're having a revival. That's why we're having this prayer meeting. And she handed my grandmother a little pamphlet, a little track of some kind. We don't even know what was on it, just some information. And uh, asked my grandmother, would she like to come that night? And she said, well, I, I don't know. I have to talk to my husband. Typical thing when you're witnessing, you know, you get the there's certain uh, default excuses and uh, one is I got to talk to my spouse, so it was like nothing ventured, nothing gained, and they uh, said goodbye, and she went on her way. My grandmother set that track up and read it while she was doing her ironing, and when she finished her ironing, she went back in the house and got the only dress shirt that my grandfather had, because if you're if you live wild and crazy and uh, you, you work at the refinery. You, there's probably very little need for you to have a dress shirt, except if you go out dancing with your wife or something on Friday night. So she ironed that one dress shirt, and normally they waited till the sun went down to eat their evening meal, their supper, as we call it down here, because it's the house is hot. Wait till it cools down. But this, t this day, she had everything prepared and basically set on the table when he walked in. And he just said, I guess I'm eating a, a dinner early. She said, yeah, I need to talk to you about something. And so he went and washed up, and she told him about the lady, and she said, I ironed your dress shirt because I'd like to go, but I don't want to go by myself. Will you take me? And he said, sure, I'll take you. So they walked a few blocks down to the church, which I'm not, I don't know where that is. I've found the house on Google Maps. I found it. I haven't been there. And um, they, I'm trying not to cry, but they, they um, went to church, and my grandmother got saved that night, gloriously, filled with the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, obviously, they went back the next night. My grandfather, a little more perplexed by what was going on because he had, hadn't had read the information, and then my grandfather got saved the next night. That is my mom's dad. Uh, and their family, they, uh, they had 
Becky, Billy, Adidas, um, missing. Uh, Junior died. Becky, I think five children, three of which became pastors and ministers. My grandmother and grandfather started, I don't really know how many, but more than 20 churches. Uh, they would, my grandfather had a, a, a gift to, he could get buildings built when congregation started and, and he'd get them up and uh, get a building built and, and then go do it again. And he did that all over East Texas, part, a little bit towards uh, uh, south of Dallas even, and wound up in Louisiana where my Cajun dad met my Port Arthur, I guess you'd call it. I, she was not born. She was born in Bonware. Nobody knows where Bonware is. Oh, you do. Oh, wow. I really am with some family. If you know where Bonware is. My grandmother, or grandfather and grandmother started the church. And they had a unique ministry that uh, my grandmother did, did most of the preaching. Um, and my grandfather just he pastored the church. My, uh, my my dad tells me about my grandfather. That's his father-in-law. So you know, you, you, if you talk good about your father-in-law, it's really good. He said, "Tommy, your grandfather. You know, I I knew him, but and we were married even when he passed. But we he was obviously way past his prime years. He said your grandfather had such people skills." And so gifted by the, the, the Spirit to just interact. He said, your grandfather could pastor the devil himself and get him to pay tithes. Now, that's a good pastor, isn't it? And he said, your grandmother could scare the hell out of people and put the heaven right in. And the, that's the truth. I don't remember. I, I'm, I heard lots of sermons by my grandfather because I remember him being up there all the time. My dad was his assistant pastor for some of my growing up years, but I don't remember a single message he preached. But I remember my grandmother's. She'd either make me want to cry or scare me to death. And I'm just a little kid, but she just had a way, very feminine, uh, not masculine about it at all. And uh, it had a, they had a unique, a unique life together. So my spiritual roots go back to Port Arthur. And here, here's what I often think about. When we get to heaven and God goes through the process of awarding crowns and blessings and honoring uh, and we'll, by the way, everybody will have their turn because we've got plenty of time. There's going to be a little lady that walks before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to say, wow, well done. And he's going to start talking about, see, I've preached in 70 nations. My dad has preached before he passed in 118 uh, my dad was over uh, his denomination's na in national or international, even 
youth uh, uh, department, and later he was over their missions department, which is why missions is in my blood. I grew up with him doing that. Started traveling with him when I was 12. Uh, when I was 12 years old, he had he was successfully able to expand the missions to a million dollars a month. I'm 64, so talk about roughly 50 years ago. That's amazing. And um, so this lady's going to stand before Christ, and he's going to start saying, "Here's what you did." preached 120 countries I, I my dad may i may have gone to some more that he didn't i, we, I don't know i'd have to sit down and, and do that uh millions of books wow you made a movie how many of you know i made a movie one night with the king you saw it and he's going to say to this little lady you're responsible for a movie and she's going to say oh, hold, hold on lord um I know that you don't make mistakes, but there's a mix-up here. I didn't write a book, and I I never left. She may have never left Texas. I I don't know. And he said, "No, it's because of you that all of that was done." One, don't put it past God to prepare you your entire life. For one moment of faithful obedience, and it turns a switch, it opens a door that you may never know. So we always talk about being able to say yes to God in the big things. But what I want to know is, can you say yes in the daily, mundane, little things not when God is shouting at you and and you feel flattened by the spirit but when he just whispers and 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 it's so quiet that if you weren't listening you would miss it and you decide you know I'm not just going to pass by that lady ironing uh, I I think this is I need to do this and his, it, that lady's name is lost to us. We're we've tried to figure out who it is. We don't know, but it just got lost in in the pages. But God is a good accountant, and He knows exactly. So, I got roots right here, roots that it, I didn't know until I was I I'd heard bits and pieces of that story, but as I as I grew older, I began to get the pieces of it put together and have now even uh, found the address of the house <laughs> never been able to go buy it yet but know where know where it is God is a good God tell somebody next to you God is a good God was that all right that I told you that story I feel the presence of God when I just start talking about things like that. Can you be faithful in the small things of life? Well, I'm, uh, okay, so that's sermon number one. So that means <laughs> sermon number two is going to be much shorter. But I also want my wife, I want you to meet her. 
She is the secret sauce behind everything I've done. Come on up here, babe. She's also the cutest grandmother. Come stand right here. Get in the good light. This good light right here. Isn't she cute? Cutest grandmother you ever met. Uh, we were holding hands last night in the car because uh, she means a lot to me. Right from there. you. Yeah. This one? Mm-hmm. No, there you go. Testing. One, two. One, two. <laughs> Can't leave that out. I'm OCD, so. <laughs> uh, but she's an incredible. If you ever uh, heard the theme song from the movie One Night with the King, well, she's the one that wrote it and. When we, when we were doing that, there was a lot of really famous writers that wanted to do that, and we listened to all of them, and I just put hers in the mix. I didn't want to overly influence and make people feel like, because our partner was 20th Century Fox on this, and they think they know what they're doing. So and it's my first time to be a, a co-producer on a movie. So when they heard that song, they said, wow, that is amazing. And they said, where did that come from? And I said, you know, I kind of had a seat at the table. And this, I said, oh, that came from my wife. Really? Let's listen to that again. So in the process, and then they said, who, who is it that's singing on this demo that we're listening to? I said, that's, that's her. He said, it sounds like Celine Dion. I said, that's her. And uh, so they said, well, that's it. That's, that's the song. And, and because they were actually talking about having Celine Dion sing whatever song that uh, became the theme song from the movie. And so it kind of, my wife's been incredible in doing music for, since her dad, her dad was a pastor and used to put her on uh, a chair behind the pulpit when you were. Started at two. At two. At two, yeah. So. She's been singing in church a long time. I well. won't tell you how long, but since two. And uh, they didn't have anybody else to sing. <laughs> he would he would plant churches in different areas. If there's nobody else to sing, well, then guess who gets to sing? The family, the pastor's family. So they just put you on little chairs and give you microphones. It's kind of a blessing in a way because you're always comfortable with a microphone. You know, you kind of grow up that way. But Can you tell? <laughs> anyway, I promise you I'll preach better and shorter if, if she gets to sing. Is that okay with you guys? This, uh, the song I think they've got set up is one. I think one, Pastor said something about Born to be a Worshiper. Uh, one that she wrote. And that, is that, that and what's I back think there? they we talked do about her doing it. So it's called. I'm born to be a worshiper. I don't know. What is, what is your job when you're in the RV in Louisiana? What do you do? Construction, Construction manager. Tell, somebody else tell me their job. Hmm? Machinist. Cafeteria. Do you make? Do you still make those good rolls? And stuff? They don't. Man, when I was growing up, that was the bomb. So whatever it is you're doing right now, uh, I was a tree trimmer. 
<laughs> Don't I look like it now? I'm the guy that used to climb the tree with a chainsaw hanging off of me and do that. But that's what I did to get through Bible school. So that was what I did. to Whatever you're doing, construction manager, machinist, cafeteria lady, it's only to get you through the school of life. What you were born to do is what you'll do in eternity. What you're doing right now is just to get you through life. But that's not what your original call. Every man and every woman ever created was created for worship. So you you may be doing I, I I did I was a tree trimmer. I I promise you I couldn't climb a tree right now if my life depended on it. If they were if a lion was chasing me, I'd just say come eat me cuz I can't get up that tree. But there was a day and they got me through school. I don't so sometimes you get frustrated with what you're doing, but while you're doing whatever it is that is your temporary assignment don't neglect to prepare yourself for what is your permanent assignment. Practice on earth what you'll be doing in heaven. And what is that? Worship. Tell somebody next to you, I was born to be a worshiper.
She's the secret. She's the secret sauce. You probably don't care if I preach at all. If she would just keep singing, but I have something to say to you from the Word of God today. Uh, you have your Bibles. I'd like you to turn to the Book of Joshua. I, I maybe iPads or Apostolic Androids, whatever it is that you use. Book of Joshua, uh, I, I love, I've kind of been stuck in Joshua for a while, and uh, Joshua chapter 4, chapter 4 is when the children of Israel finally crossed the Jordan River, chapter 5 is when they have the encounter at Jericho, so these are, this is real transition time. Uh, the way that Joshua even has become a leader is because of Moses. And sometimes, I mean, jo Joshua kind of gets overlooked a lot, except, you know, the, the one big event in his life that everybody, I mean, you know when they make a VeggieTales video about it, it's huge. Josh and the big wall. You must have seen that same vid, uh, a Veggie Tale video. So, other than that, you know, Joshua kind of just gets short shrift of things. It's not uh, he gets overlooked. I mean, his, his book in the Bible is not even very long, and it's because he stands in the shadow of Moses. So maybe that's why. 
I mean, when your book of the Bible's really short, like Joshua, standing next to Moses with his towering Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it, it's easy to get overlooked. But the job that Joshua did was actually a job that Moses could never accomplish. Moses was called to do it, and he came close. God didn't hold it against him. Just his, his, his job was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's one part. And into the promised land. It, it, when you get saved, you, you have to get saved out of something, but into something else. And that time in between, you know, can be, I call it wilderness time. And uh, you want to start singing that old hymn, Will It Go Round in Circles? <laughs> I, I figured I could somehow make that work. But they went around in circles. How long? Years. Uh, two generations worth, actually. If you do your calculations. And... Joshua is the one that finally got them across. So evidently there's something in Joshua's leadership that allowed him to do things that even Moses, I mean, Moses was great. He could stretch his rod and open seas, and he could uh, hit, a hit a rock with that rod, and water would start flowing. But in this case, we're talking about Joshua, and this particular chapter is right in the middle of everybody say in the middle says so in the middle of while he's leading them into if there's a pivotal sort of point one chapter out of the book of their their long journey one if there is a, a, a moment it's the fourth chapter because fourth chapter begins and they're on one side of the Jordan River looking at their promise. Chapter 4 ends, and they're on the other side in their promise. I don't know, but am I talking to anybody here who's tired of being close to but not into your promise? Is that, is that, you're ready for some let, let's move on stuff. That's, maybe this story will mean something to you. Now, we all know what uh, the crossing, or I, I shouldn't say we all know. I'm looking around. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming most of you know some of the stories of the Bible, in particular this one. Joshua did not cross the Jordan River the same way that Moses crossed the Red Sea. And perhaps there were some who were saying, look, if you don't do it, the way Moses did it, I don't want it. That means I want to get healed the same way he did, or I don't want it. Now, who would be foolish enough to say that? Not me. I don't care how I get healed. Do you know that if you really read the stories of Jesus in, in the New Testament, he hardly ever healed anybody the same way twice if you really compile it look at it and 
if you pray for as many people as he did and you are like making a stand i'm not i'm going to try not to do it the same way but first of all why why did he not just do it the same way every time i'll tell you why we would have turned it into a ritual okay you stand on with right foot in front of left foot and right hand only no left hand healings am i right oh yeah we we're good at that we want equations instead of relationships and if if he had healed somebody you you start looking i mean he got pretty inventive making mud pies with spit and sticking it on a person that's pretty creative inventive Another time, the Bible, you may not be aware of it, it's kind of overlooked, but it's in there. Another time, there was a man that couldn't speak. He was, he was dumb, uh, not as intelligence-wise, but his, his, his mouth didn't work. His tongue didn't work. Jesus healed him. Do you know how he healed him? He spat on the guy's tongue. You go look it up. It's in there. Now, how many of you would turn down a spitting on your tongue healing you're thinking aren't you i'm thinking but you got leukemia now if you're getting prayed for because you have a hangnail on your toe maybe not uh but if if you're facing leukemia you got cancer uh sir you can spit anywhere you want to why the honest truth is you have suffered worse indignities, just been tested for your illnesses at a hospital. If you've ever been in those hospitals very long, very much, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. So Jesus often did things differently. Uh, if, what if every time he healed somebody, he spat on the ground, made mud, and stuck it on them? Okay, so here is what I know. Oh, well, they're they're gone now. You guys had little boxes up here as for the offering. Is this? Oh, this is one. You can still give. Uh, but you know, we all a lot of churches have little boxes. I'm looking around too, because I have a suspicion. There it is, right there. That's a fancy one, Pastor John. You know what this is? Hmm. Anointing oil. You know why we have it up front of all the churches? Because it's in the Bible. Oh, he's bringing the. I didn't mean for you to have to do that, Jeff. But thank you. Because it have got to be balanced. Uh, I OCD. I got to figure out where this goes to position it in between those exactly. But anointing oil. So what if every time. Jesus healed somebody, he spat in the dirt and made mud pies. Instead of this up at the front, you know what we'd have? We'd have a box, not forgiving, but we'd have a box full of dirt. <laughs> and one of the prerequisites for being an, an elder in the church, whether it's a man or a woman, one of the prerequisites would be, can you spit? 
Can you imagine what it sounds like when we're preparing for a healing service? All the elders of the, the church come forward and uh, let's prepare. We're going to pray for people. <clears throat> what are they doing? Getting ready for the healings. I'll start spitting in that box and making it. You, you, the reason you're laughing is you know I'm telling the truth about us Christians. And if it was, a, if you were a real spiritual church, it would be dirt from the Holy Land. Not just dirt from your backyard. That's from the Holy Land dirt. That's the real stuff there. Yet now you'll get healed. It doesn't have anything to do with mud pies, and it has everything to do with your Heavenly Father. Got to learn to kind of keep all that in focus. So some people would have been upset with the way Joshua crossed that Jordan River because he didn't use Moses' rod. You may notice, I, I don't know if you notice how to use a cane when I'm walking very much, and I don't have to thank God I don't have to use it when I'm preaching anymore, but I, I had a severe accident a few years back and almost lost my leg and sometimes have some issues with it, but I, I did I did start feeling better about it because I, I felt validated by the Scripture because if, if Moses can have his rod, Tommy can have a cane. Now, the only difference is I have not yet parted the waters. No seas, but I will admit I have practice over mud puddles when nobody was looking. You think I'm kidding? I've, I'm I'm pretty radical. I try all kinds of things. Joshua didn't do it the way Moses did it, but here's the thing: he got it done. Sometimes. You have to be willing to do things a different way if you want a different outcome. The height of insanity is to repeat the same behavior and expect a different outcome. Sometimes you have to do things different to get things different. And what Jesus was teaching us by not doing things the same way every time is it's not in the physical motions are the incantations or what you do, there, has, there is a spiritual, there is an unseen component to it. And the unseen component is obedient to whatever God wants you to do. There were a lot of people that got healed a lot of different ways, but nobody got healed when they were disobedient. It was always in an obedience type situation. Now, when Joshua crossed the Jordan River, Chapter 4, again, there's, there's a verse in here that I honestly, I don't know. Do any of you, I, I've written a lot of books. In fact, I meant to tell you, I've got, we brought a copy of uh, one book, just a few copies. I'm not here to particularly sell books. I'm here to just talk to you guys. But if you want a book, we have one. This is a book on unity. Uh, we need unity. And it's, this is not just about unity in the church this is about unity in your family unity on your job uh, unity among your friends obviously none of you have ever had disunity among friends it, 
You can say amen or you can say oh me. It doesn't matter. You got it. But it's about unity anyway. And, and, and we do, I did bring some copies of my wife's uh, music. It has, it's just a couple of songs. It's got the theme song from the movie and the song One Night, with, with, which is One Night with the King. And that song she just sang, Born to be a Worshipper. And uh, I know what usually happens at a church when she comes with me, which she, she didn't travel with me very much. I, I go to Paris sometimes twice a year. I can't get her to go. Fortunately, this next week on our missions trip, I was supposed to fly from Kathmandu, Nepal, to Paris to preach. And she has agreed, I'm not going to Nepal, but she's going to go to Paris with me. She's probably been ten times. My daughter back there has probably been five. One of my spiritual son's pastors there, and I I don't know. I could have been there 25 or 30 times, so she don't, she don't, she don't go to Paris with me. But she came to Port Neches the first time I came. You are special. Tell the person next to you, you're special. Now, what happens when she comes with me is usually people buy all of her music and they don't buy any of my books. And I, I get wounded emotionally. I need emotional healing afterwards. And it gets messy. You you don't want that. So don't don't do that to me. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. If you buy my book for ten dollars, I'll give you her CD. Or you can buy her CD for ten dollars, and she'll give you my book. But so I've I've written a, quite a few books, and the the, the thing I want to point out that I, so I read a lot. I read God's Word a lot. But have you ever had you've been reading God's Word, and maybe you kind of picked up the next day, but you went back and 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 you could swear that since you went to sleep last night. An angel got a hold of your Bible and added a verse that was not there. Has that ever happened to you? You said, I never saw that before. Okay, so I've been preaching coming up on 50 years now. I've been preaching a long time. Uh, started when I was 16. And it happens to me still. I, I, I didn't see. So, I'm going to show you a verse that it, it wasn't there the first time I read it, but it's there now. And it has to do with not what Joshua did to open the Jordan River, to allow them to transit and, and take their place in the promised land. It has to do with something he did in the middle. So I guess that's what I want to talk to you about, what to do in the middle. Have you ever been in the middle of something? Come, I can. You can either agree or I can take another hour and preach on honesty. <laughs> Have you ever been in the middle? Like I'm in the I'm in the middle of a a health crisis. I'm in the middle of a 
a, a relationship crisis. We, we all, and the truth is, everybody tells you how to party when you've come through that. But there's very few that will tell you what to do when you're in the middle of it. They're, in fact, a lot of times they're just like, thank God I'm not in the middle of that. Because your human advice kind of goes by the way. Something that Joshua did in the middle of their crossing of the River Jordan is what really came alive to me. Now, I want to I read, we're going to read these first few verses of Joshua. And, and don't get nervous that I'm just now reading and in the middle of my preaching, and so you've calculated, well, he took about 15 minutes till he read, and so now he's going to read, and then 15 minutes for point one, and 15 minutes for point two, and God knows how long for point three. Oh, my Lord, I should have packed a picnic lunch. No, that's not the way it's going to be. I kind of sometimes, uh, you, you can take a text and you can preach from it, or you can take a text, that's a portion of Scripture, and preach to it so that by the time we read it, there's some understanding. And that, that's kind of the direction I'm going. So I want to point something out to you about these first few verses of Joshua. Uh, you will get to hear, in, in, in verse 1 through 11, you're going to hear the same story repeated basically three times. And the reason you hear it three times, and this is what confused me. I'd never really realized it. I just thought, you know, some things in the Bible get repeated, but I'd never really put this all together. You're going to hear it three times because you get to hear it first when, Joshua, when God tells Joshua something to do. Tells him, you know, Joshua, this is how you do This is, this is how you cross the river. And then you get to eavesdrop that's the beauty of the bible uh, first of all if god's telling joshua that doesn't mean everybody heard it in fact usually that means nobody heard it has god ever talked to you and people around you had no clue no clue because they can't participate in that that is a private holy encrypted message People just, they can't, the, the beauty of the Bible is we get to eavesdrop as God tells people these messages. So the first time you hear the particular story, you get to eavesdrop as God tells Joshua. The second time you hear it, you get to listen as Joshua tells the people. And he repeats what God told him. So that's the second time you hear it. Third, you get to read the narrative as the people do. What Joshua told them that God said to do. So that's why the story gets repeated three times. One time as God tells Joshua. The second time as Joshua tells the people. The third time as the people do what he said. So I don't want you to get get confused by that, but let, let me just let me let me just read it to you, okay? Uh, Joshua chapter, come on. Uh, 
sometimes I, I wish I had a, there, got it. So, verse 1, came to pass when the people, I'm, re, I'm reading from a New King James, but it doesn't matter, it's all basically the same. It came to pass when the people were completely passed over Jordan. That's interesting, it notes that. That the Lord spake to Joshua, uh, said, take 12 men out of the people, out of every, are you listening? This is what God is telling Joshua. Nobody else is hearing it, just Joshua. So you're privileged to eavesdrop. Psst, Joshua, here's how you cross the Jordan River. Are you listening? Yeah, got it. Okay. Take 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take out of the midst of Jordan. Uh, forgot to tell you how they kind of got to that middle part there. Uh, the uh, Moses, remember, he stretched a rod. But Joshua's idea for crossing was the Levites are going to take the Ark of the Covenant. How, how many of you know about the Ark of the Covenant? So I don't have to really explain. You've got, you got Harrison Ford. <laughs> got it. Okay, two golden cherubs. And in the middle of the worshiping cherubims, it's called the mercy seat. If it's the mercy seat, it means somebody sits there. And the one who sits there dispenses mercy. So the, 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 uh, the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua said, you're at the head of the parade. And I want you to just start walking into the river. Can you imagine the priest talking to one another saying, better roll up your britches leg? Why? Pastor, you know, he gets these crazy ideas. He wants us to, so they start marching. And amazingly, when they put their foot down, the water dissipates in front of them. I have to admit, I'm a little bit mischievous and quizzical. If, if I had been one of those priests, I would have probably picked my foot back up and just said, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> so every time I pick my foot up, water comes back together. <laughs> Look at that. And they start walking through. And another thing you'll read here in a minute, it says that the priest's feet stand firm. Well, if water is just dissipating in front of you, normally you're going to be standing in a mud puddle. And if it's the middle of a river, you could be knee-deep in mud. But somehow God took the hair dryer of heaven and just dried it all out in front of them because it says in here they're standing firm. They're not mired down. And that's how they cross. Now, you're... You, instantly our mind goes to, oh, I wish I had that Ark of the Covenant in my life and I could just make things disappear in front of me. First of all, you got your eye on the wrong thing. 
It's like focusing on the dirt and the spit instead of Jesus. It's, it's not about the ark. Okay. The ark was really all the ark was, was a fancy chair for God to sit in. That's all it was. You ever seen old movies or something, or, or not old, but a movie about ancient times? We even had it in uh, uh, the movie about Esther, where they have a uh, a king or a queen or a dignitary, and they're carrying them on this uh, contraption that men carry it. It's long poles. There's a chair. It looks different in different cultures. I actually learned the name of that when we made the movie. It's called a palaquin, and they're carrying these. Well, you need to understand, it's really not about... Now, as they carry that that pelican through the streets of a city with the king or the queen sitting in there, people would be bowing. Oh, look, the king is coming, and they're all, they're all uh, making whatever cultural adoration. This is our king, like clapping, whatever that is that they do. There's the king. But think about this. After they deposit the king at the temple, at the house at the palace whatever it is that they're they're taking them to maybe the garage for storing the palaquins is across the street so you got these guys taking an empty i'm sure at times people saw an empty palaquin you got these guys taking the empty palaquin through the streets back to the garage do you really think that everybody in the street is bowing and scraping and clapping when an empty pelican passes by. No, it's not about the furniture. It's about who was sitting there. And sometimes we do the same thing. Never mistake the furniture for his presence. Don't do, don't do that. Never mistake, uh, you know, we, we, there's a few things that you, pretty much see around every church okay uh, usually there's a stage like that uh, usually there's a pulpit uh, sometimes it's a desk uh, now we have you know used to we sang out of books now we sing off the wall <laughs> things change but really they're the same these are all the things that go on around church but do you know that we can have church without any of those things i mean i like having a pulpit i've got my ipad on it i got my water oh i forgot about my water i got my water here i like having a place to put my water uh like place for that we yeah that 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 helps us but that's not the big deal never mistake the furniture for the presence Never mistake the Ark of the Covenant. I honestly, you know, we do not know where the Ark of the Covenant is. Uh, I personally think it's in heaven, but nobody can prove that. It's just an educated guess. All we know is, it, as far as we know, it's not on earth. And people have been looking for it for a long time. If you don't believe me, ask Harrison Ford. <laughs> They have looked for it everywhere. You know why? I'm, I, I, first of all, it would be like the world's number one tourist attraction. And we would, uh, I'm sorry, my brain goes places it should not go. 
we would turn it into that. Oh, I've seen the ark. Well, I touched it. I was I got the special package. I had to pay fifty bucks extra. I got to touch it. Or I got a selfie with the ark. And it, it's all it'd be all about the ark. Never mistake the ark for his presence. I know it says that they were carrying the ark into the river, but what they were really carrying was the presence. What if you were in the hospital and you were facing a surgery the next day and you call Pastor John and say, Pastor, can, can you come? You and some, some of the people come by and pray for me. And he says, sure, we'll be right there. And he calls some of the guys around the church that he counts on. And he says, hey, we got to go pray for her. Uh, can you pass by the church and pick up the pulpit? And they show up and drag that pulpit. Maybe it's, you know, well, we have one with wheels on it. If you did this, you would need one with wheels on it. They drag it onto the elevator, carry it down the hall, and posit it in your room and say, you'll be good now. Got the pulpit. If I was the one in the bed, I would say, pulpit, pit. You can toss that thing out on, that's just a piece of furniture. I need the presence. So these guys, when they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and the water is parting, it's the presence. So Joshua had an amazing concept that the first thing that my problem encounters is not going to be me. It's going to be him. Send the presence ahead of you into your problem. Whatever it is you're facing this week, make sure the presence of God encounters that problem long before you arrive at it. Maybe you got a, a, a legal appointment on Wednesday or a doctor's appointment on Thursday. That's fine. But right now, you can send God's presence ahead of you because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just as real in your tomorrows and three weeks from now as he is right now. So you have the ability to send God's presence ahead of you so that by the time you encounter the obstacle, it's already encountered your God. That's what, that's what Joshua did. Wow. Amazing. He got it. And now they're doing something about this process. He's, he's, God is saying, I want you to memorialize what I'm doing. I want you to build a memorial. Uh, are there any statues or memorials around Port Natchez? Probably Port Arthur, yeah. Yeah. Right. Why, why, do, why do they build these these statues or these memorials so people don't forget that's why it's called a memorial it's to make sure our memory is provoked so every time you pass by there your kids will say what is that what's that about and gives you a chance and it keeps the memory of the historic event whatever it might be good or bad it keeps that event fresh in people's mind so God says, today is such a special day. I want to make sure that future generations don't forget about what I'm doing today. Today is the day 
You, you, you came out of Egypt, but today's the day you're going into your promise. And I don't want future generations to take that for granted. I want them to understand the miracle that brought you through. One of the things I, I want to tell you, I, I, I've already done it today. I, I told you a story about my roots, uh, how God did something. I remember my mom and dad telling me stories about how God did particular things. In fact, there's one story I remember about my mom and her sisters when my in the Depression days when my grandfather was trying to start churches in and, and, and sometimes small towns and rural places, and they didn't have any money. Of course, none of you have ever had month left at the end of the money instead of money left at the end of the month but they did and the the kids kids don't know that when when time you know they're just they just my kids when we would say look we we can't afford that they would say write a check (laughs) that's the kids concept it comes from somewhere just do it Uh, my mother and one of her sisters asked their mom the lady the ironing lady i told you about Mom, we want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And their mom said, I'm sorry, hon, we don't have any. In fact, the only thing there is to eat in this house is oatmeal. And they said, we had oatmeal yesterday. She said, I know, but I'm sorry. That's, that's all I have. And she said, she added, if you want peanut butter and jelly, you're going to have to pray for it. And these two young girls, I, I'll have to ask my mom, what age they were they were just kids they decided well that's what we'll do we'll go pray and they tried to find a private place to pray and there was an old model uh, a in the front yard and they crawled in the back seat of the model a and started praying well, god it is a serious prayer life or death god we want peanut butter and jelly and they were in their childlike way praying and they noticed a woman walking down the street. And she, when she got to their house, she was carrying some bags. When she got to their house, she turned and went up their sidewalk and deposited on the front step two bags, did not knock on the door, just turned and then kept walking. Well, you know what the two girls did? They ran over there, and one of them started rummaging through one bag, and one of them started rummaging, and one of them said, I got the jelly. And the other one said, I got peanut butter. And then they found the bread, and they went taking the peanut butter, the jelly, and the bread into their mom, and they said, Mom, look what we got. And their mom said, Where in the world did you girls get that peanut butter and jelly? They sit in the bag with all the meat and the eggs and the vegetables. Your mom, their mom said, what? Meat? Where? It, mom, it's on the front doorstep. But make us a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And her mom said, right, let me go check. The, and went out there. And God had supplied the week's worth of groceries for them because they prayed. Now, do you know old people repeat stories? Don't look around right now. 
some of you started to. Old people repeat stories. Do you know how many times I heard that story growing up? And it, it really, you know, I, it got to the point we'd hear some of these stories when, when my parents would turn their back, my sister and I would go like this at each other. <laughs> heard these stories. It didn't seem to, but do you know, after I grew up and I had kids and I got in tight places, because I had a memorial, a memory, something set up, it allowed me to say, I, I remember what God has done before. If he can take care of peanut butter and jelly, he can. Do you know how many times I've used that to bolster my own faith because of that memorial? So what I, I guess I'm telling you, keep repeating the stories. Every Thanksgiving, stop the meal. Every Christmas, every Easter, every Mother's Day. Yeah, just stop it. Tell it again. They're going to say, Mom, we've heard that. Shut up and listen. <laughs> they may not understand. They may not respect it now, but there will come a time when the memorial feeds the faith of future generations. And what Joshua is being told right here, that we're reading, we're started reading, is to take some stones out of a river, and listen to what they do. He said, take 12 men out of every tribe of man and command them and say, take out of the middle of Jordan. Remember, middle. Just keep, if you're in King James, it's midst. Still the same thing. We'll keep track of how many times we say the word middle. Take out of the middle of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones, and carry them over with you, carry them over with you, and leave them in your lodging place where you stay tonight. Basically what happened is they had a long column of people crossing the Jordan River. Uh, we estimate somewhere close to 300,000 because a few chapters after they're in uh, to the promised land, they enumerate themselves, how many there are. And if there were, I don't know, you ever been to a, a, a Texans game? Anybody? Cowboys game? What is wrong with you folks? <laughs> that is not God's favorite team. The saints are. What's, what's their name? Yeah, right next to LSU. Are you an LSU fan too? Oh. But, I, but I work with them every day, so I can't deny Okay. I have to admit, have you noticed that I, some, my fingernail looks weird? Anybody noticed? I lost a bet. with the Vietnamese ladies at the nail salon where I get manicures. They always been, I go the same place, my wife and kids, they, they, get, that they go there, been going there for years, and they've been, it's a, it, it's a constant joke, they tease me, pick your color. 
oh, you put on a coat. I said, no, I'm not putting on. And I was, I've been telling them for years, when LSU wins a national title, then you can paint my nails purple. <laughs> they started painting. I said, come on, just one. Okay. So if you note, I did not hit my nail with a hammer. It's, it's purple because LSU, won, I, and I got it before I go to France next week, I got to figure out how to fix this. But for right now, it's, it is what it is. Uh, how did I get off on that? You distracted me when you said LSU. Don't, don't do that in the middle of a man preaching a serious sermon. Huh? Oh yeah, three hundred thousand. Have you been? That's what. That's right. So, have you ever tried to? Uh, can you imagine if they, you know? I don't. Cowboys, LSU Stadium seats a hundred and five or hundred and eight thousand. What if everybody was made to go out one exit of that stadium? How long would it take? So imagine this crossing of the Jordan River that we've read about. This is not a fifteen-minute process this is all day and it's a lot of people which means that as people cross they can't just linger on the other side or you're going to have what come on what tell me what's going to happen i guess i have to tell you a story if i feel like you don't get it i have to tell you a story i was in lima peru there going there to preach for I, I go there often, going back this year. Uh, good Robert Berenger, incredible missionary. And the the native people to Peru are Indians, uh, kin to the Mayan and the Az, but they, they, from, they live in the Andes Mountains, and they're really very tiny. They're not very big. They're short of stature, not big built. And we, I was in the Lima airport, and there was a lady there, and she was a little Indian grandmother. She she wouldn't have come up to, to hear on me, tiny, not not frail as in weak, but small. Everything was small. And I'm pretty sure this was her first time in the airport because her head was on a swivel. I've never seen this. may not have been her first time in an airport, but I've guarantee you this was her first time to encounter an escalator because I was behind her. I'm sure she'd gone up and down stairs her whole life, but ones that move and the one, this one was going down when we got to it. She stood there, looked at it for a minute. Everybody's kind. Oh, the grandmother, she's wanting to make sure that, you know, she don't, don't look at me like that. Some of you still do the same thing. You, you, my wife being one of them, she got to time it just right. And she, the the lady was, she was working on it, and she got it, and she, she looked like a kid on a roller coaster. She eyes wide, going down. The only thing, and nobody told her what you do at the end. So when it got to the end and you she stepped off that's fine but she didn't move she was like oh look back and see this thing and she's 
She's like, in, in all, this is amazing. The only problem is we're all still coming. And we're all got luggage and we're all clambering backwards. Nobody wants to knock over the little grandmother. But it, it, after a while, people are yelling, stop. We can't back up anymore. So a big American guy just bear hugged her. And she didn't know what was going on. She was looking the other way. He just bear hugged her, picked her up, and stood her to the side, and we came tumbling down. So imagine if somebody crossed of 300,000, crossed 10,000, could stop, and it's going to make what? A huge mess and a traffic jam. So as they crossed, they had to keep walking. And basically what happened is where the head of the parade was when the sun set, because when the sun sets, you will still have a good while before it gets dark, right? So when the sun actually sets, when it dips down, that's where they were going to stop for the night, and the rest of the column caught up with them before darkness. So these men were to pick up 12 stones, and when they got to that place where the sun set, that means it's a day's journey. They would have had to start in the morning even to get them all across in a day. So a day's journey away from the river, they stop, and they're, they're going to build a memorial. And he said, leave them in the lodging place where you lodged this night. So we, that we just heard Joshua receive the instruction from God. Now listen as Joshua tells the people. He kind of fills in the blanks while he does. And Joshua called 12 men who he prepared out of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said to them, pass over before the ark of the Lord your God. Well, that's interesting. So the ark only led the parade into the river, but the ark stayed in the river. Why? To hold back the waters while everybody else marches through. But he said, when you get to where the priests are standing, listen, he said, when you pass before the ark of the Lord, every one of you take, every man take a stone upon his shoulder. He didn't say put a rock in your pocket. Put a stone on your shoulder. That tells us something about the size of it, right? Because if it's this big, well, you don't need to put it on your shoulder. But if it has to be not too big or you can't carry it, but big enough that the best way to carry it is up here. So it's shoulder boulders is what I call it. And, and he said, according to the number of tribes of Israel, and then he starts explaining about it's going to be a memorial. He said, this will be a sign to you that when your children ask in, father's time, in their father's time to come, what do these stones mean? Have you ever thought about why they would ask? What do stones that come out of a river look like? What? Smooth, round. So stones that have been in a river are smooth and round. And you, if you stack them up, people that are knowledgeable about nature at all are going to notice. Now, they're a day's journey away from the river. So stones that have never been in a river, what do they look like? Rough, jagged, that's right, irregular shape. So the kids are going to say, 
Dad, this is out of place. All the other stones are rough and jacked. These stones look like they came out of a river. And the fathers would say, I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to tell you the story. And he says, this will be a sign that your children say, what do these stones mean? And you'll answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. When it passed, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones are, will be a memorial. Everybody say a memorial. To the children of Israel forever. So we heard as God told Joshua. Then we eavesdropped as Joshua told the people. Now we get to read the narrative as the people do it. And the children of Israel did so. Verse 8. Just as Joshua commanded, they took up 12 stones out of the middle of Jordan as the Lord spake to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, and they carried them over to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Now we get to that verse that I never saw it before. Are you ready? You got your little Bible? Are you just going to listen to me? It's fine. I'll read it to you. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. Wait a minute. I thought we were reading about stones being taken out and carried. Right? Didn't that what we read? But now, I, you know, I guess you, you keep reading about stones, middle, stones, middle. And you can get confused. And when you read it again, it's just stones taken out of the middle. Because I'm going to be honest, how many of you have ever noticed that in there? I feel better. I've been, pre I've been preaching 40 years before I ever saw that. Not only did the people take some stones out of the river, and to be honest, that has even confused some scholars. And I'll tell you how I know. If you happen to be reading an NIV version of the Bible, which... It's fine. I, I, I'm ha I read NIV. I read all of them. You're reading NIV. The NIV is the only translation that reads different than what I just read to you. It actually says, and it repeats it a fourth time, and Joshua took 12 stones out of the middle. But there's an asterisk there beside it, and that asterisk you know, tells you you can look in the footnotes, and the footnotes it says in Hebrew, they put stones in the middle. It says that's the literal translation, but we think that they were just confused. <laughs> I, I don't do that. If it says something, I like to, but I understand I got confused. I'm not mad at the, 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 the scholars trying to translate the NIV, but every other version says, no, we're going to leave it like that, even if we don't understand what it means that they put 
stones in the middle. But I think I may have picked up on a clue about why they did that. The stones that were set up as a memorial a day's journey forward of them in the promised land. When they arranged those stones, you take 12 shoulder-sized boulders, I don't know, it may be in you know, the height of this pulpit, let's just say it would be, and they, they pile them up. You know another word for what they are doing? They're building an altar. That's what that is. Prophets, the people of Israel, for thousands of years have been doing that. Take the stones, set them up, build an altar. What is an altar? It's a place of worship. What they're actually doing when they set those stones up is they are worshiping, thanking God that we, may, we got over. Am I preaching to anybody that's happy they got over? But then they set 12 stones up in the middle. I don't know how it went down, but just let my imagination fill in the blanks. Everybody is completely passed over. We read that in the first part. And the only thing that's left in the middle of the river, the dry river, is the poor priest, which I know they had to take turns holding that ark all day because you just couldn't have done it all day. And they're tired. It's the hot sun. It's been standing there all day, and everybody is out. The only thing that's left is them. And when they start out, just like the water receded in front of them, it's going to come together behind them. Correct? But just as they say, okay, everybody's done. I guess we can start going over. Pastor Josh says, hold on, guys. Stay right there. Oh, no. What's he going to think of now? We are tired. It's, it's 1 o'clock. we got a Super Bowl coming up. What are we going to do? Hold up right there. Stay right there for just a minute. And Joshua says, hey, I need 12 men. I want you to get 12 stones and I want you to go pile them up like an altar right by where the priests are standing. I, I would like to think he said, get some stones from outside of the river. And imagine the, the, the guy saying, Pastor, can I ask a question? Well, sure. Uh, this morning, you told us to get stones out of the river. And this afternoon, you're telling us to put stones back in the river. I mean, wouldn't it have just been easier to leave them there? Those poor guys carrying that, been carrying that rock on their shoulder all day. I mean, wouldn't it have been better? No, it's a different process. What are we doing? Well, I want you to build. Okay, we'll do it. Guys, please hurry. This ark is getting heavy again. And they start scrambling around. Maybe just, I don't know, maybe they quickly found 11, but they can't find the 12th. And, and there's 11, and, and somebody says, Pastor, is this good enough? No, that's not good enough. Why? Because I want the, 
the altar that we build in the middle of the river to be the same as the altar we build outside the river. In other words, I want the worship that we do in the middle of the river to be equal to the worship that we do when we get over the river. We're not going to shortchange God. In fact, I'd like to think that's probably one of the reasons that they were able to successfully cross over because somebody decided to worship in the middle of a problem. You see, that Jordan River had been the biggest obstacle that they had ever faced. It had defeated their forefathers. That river had defeated Moses. But when they get over that day, hallelujah, they worship in the middle of their problem. And I started this whole conversation with you today to talk to you about what to do in the middle. So I'm going to ask you here in the end, anybody in the middle of something? Usually we are about to get in the middle. We are in the middle or we're hoping we're coming out of the middle. Those are the stages of life. So nobody, you, you don't have, you ever seen a little two-year-old when they're happy, who teaches toddlers to dance? They just do it. Why? It's a normal expression. Everybody knows how to celebrate. Woohoo! Our team won. Jump up and down, run around. People do crazy things to celebrate. When you are celebrating what God has done, don't let your celebration be any more passionate than your worship in the middle. I know it's harder to worship when you're in the middle of something. But build the altar of worship the same in the middle as what you're going to do in celebration after. I'm, I'm preaching to you right now. This is the part you're supposed to get. Whatever you do, what, how? I don't, I, don't have, I don't have any keys. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Here, right here. Yeah, car keys. Here. There's a nice Mercedes um, SUV out there. Dirty right now. Uh, I don't trade cars very often. It's got over 200,000 miles. I keep cars a long time. It's just me, okay. But... Still a Mercedes, right? I bought it brand new. I put every mile on it. So what if when I came in here today, God spoke to me and said, I want you to give that Mercedes in really good shape. Got a ding here too, but so do you. Um, so what if God spoke to me and said, I want you to give it to somebody in the service today? So I'm just asking you, how would you react if I handed you this key? That is pitiful. Okay, so maybe it's not a, a, a car that you're needing. Maybe you need a new house, whatever. 
So what if I were to hand you the keys to not just a new car? What if I were to hand you the keys to a new house? Wow, that is pitiful. I'm serious. How would you react? Come on, show me. Well, do a little jump right there. There you go. Come, I want to see. What would you do? Yeah, okay. There you go. You get it. What I'm telling you, every one of us knows what we would do. You may be embarrassed to do it, but you know how crazy you would act. If You wouldn't care who... Tommy Tenney, Spinney, or it doesn't matter. I just got a new car. I got a new house. I'm, I'm going to jump up and down, run around, or whatever. And they, they, they make fun of you later. Why? I got the keys. But here's what I'm, I'm telling you. You know how to celebrate after a victory is won. What I'm trying to tell you to do is when you're still in the middle of it. If you can worship in the middle at the same level that you would celebrate and worship after, then you don't have a problem. You're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. Here's some study I did. Maybe I don't don't have time to get into it all today. Maybe I'll wind up writing a book about it. But do you know that the Jordan River was never a problem for the children of Israel again? You start reading about things that happen at the Jordan River. You're not too deep into the Bible after this before the prophet Elijah is ready to catch his fiery taxi cab to go to heaven. Remember that? The only problem is the taxi is on the other side of the river. So they have to cross it. When they get there, He takes his mantle off, and he hits the river. Now, come on. Please tell me. What does this do to a river? Unless it's the Jordan. Why is that different? Because somebody built an altar in it. Oh, but can you hear the guy saying, Joshua, come on, let us out of here. And he said, no, 12, get one more stone. Put it in there. Okay, but pastor, listen, in a minute, the water's going to cover it up and nobody's going to see it. That's why it says the stones are there to this day. Because you don't, you can't see them. Nobody, nobody's ever going to see this. But God knows you did it. We're not doing this for people to know. We're doing this for God to know. I'm preaching to you. If you can worship in the middle of your circumstances, whatever they are, God sees it. People may not see it. They may not understand it. Because usually, ain't nobody with you when it's the toughest. You could be with people, but you're still alone when you're dealing with serious stuff. You you feel like, my God, I, I don't have even blood in my head at the moment. How do I do this? The best thing you can do is say, 
God is still good. It doesn't feel like it now. Well, you're in the middle, but I'm going to worship him anyway. I'm going to worship him right now at the same level that I'm going to, I refuse to let circumstances dictate to me my level of worship. I'm preaching to you right now. I want you to understand, don't let circumstances dictate to you. Let you dictate to the circumstances. And you say, I will worship. Because worship is not always the celebration of a victory. It's the essence of a struggle. And it may be hard to worship in the middle. But if you can worship in the middle, there will be people who come after you that will not, who will face the same thing that you faced and it will not be a struggle for them because someone upstream has put some worship in the middle of this. Hallelujah. That's why the prophet can hit the river with his mantle and the river said, don't hit me. What do you want? Open up. Oh, I've done that before. They walk through. Elijah catches the fiery taxi cab to heaven. He, he's old. He's forgetful. He forgets to, he promised the mantle to Elisha. And Elisha's down there jumping up and down. The mantle. You, you remember that um, show, Fantasy Island? where the little midget guy would stand there, De plane, de plane. Remember that? That was Elisha. De mantle, de mantle. And Elijah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It flutters down. He grabs it. He has to go home. The only problem is, what's the obstacle? Jordan River. He is the epitome of a novice prophet. He's never done a miracle. Honestly, he doesn't know which end of the mantle to hold or which hand to hold. He knows zero, zip, nothing. Sometimes when you're facing obstacles, all you have is a little remnant of what somebody else has done. And you may not, you may be so desperate that you can't think up what to pray or what to do yourself, but you remember a story of what somebody else did in that situation, and you say, oh, just what I'm going to do. So he's facing the same obstacle, and you know what he does? I hope this works. And he hits the river. The river says, why do you guys keep hitting me? What do you want now? Open up. Yes. The river becomes like a grocery store door. You walk up, it just opens. Why? I'm you, you keep reading about the Jordan River. There's miracle after miracle that happened. A guy's chopping wood one time, and he loses the axe head, and it was iron. Bible says it was iron. Do you know what an iron axe head does? First of all, any of you understand iron axe heads can come off? And if you've ever done this, you know how to reset. You take the handle of that axe and hit it down again. Well, somebody... He borrowed it from somebody. It's expensive. Iron was expensive. It'd be like borrowing somebody's new car and wrecking it. He's borrowing and he's chopping and he doesn't pay attention. The axe head flies off and it goes into the river. 
Now, when iron meets water, glug, 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 it goes down. And the man, I love it, King James Version, this is what he said, alas, alas, it was borrowed. That's what he says. And the prophet said, oh, no problem. Lucky for you today that we happen to be chopping wood by the Jordan River. Any other river, you'd be out of luck. But the Jordan, it has to obey. And he commanded. And the river floated an iron axe head up. I'm sorry, you can have it back. I could go on. Naaman gets healed by dipping in the Jordan. Why? Why do all these things keep happening? Somebody built an altar. When Jesus is ready to be baptized, a serious study of the life of Jesus, you would understand that most of his ministry was not by the Jordan River. It was by the Sea of Galilee. So if he was going to be baptized anywhere, I mean, he, that's where he picked his disciples from. That's where he's from. And the Sea of Galilee is a huge, significant body of water, much more significant than the Jordan. The Jordan River, for, look, it's not like the Sabine even. I've seen the Jordan River I don't know how many times, and I cannot ever remember seeing it when I couldn't throw a rock across it. It's just, it's not big. Call it a bayou. Do you guys have yeah, bayous? Okay, making sure. It's not a, not a big. So this river, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. Anybody here ever been to the Holy Land? Yeah, okay. If you go, what's one thing you're going to make sure you do? What? Get baptized in the Jordan River. What? Well, you've been baptized. Yeah, but not in the Jordan. So the Jordan, it was a symbol of defeat to Moses' generation, is now a symbol of victory to us, all because... Somebody worshiped in the middle. Hallelujah. If I can get you to worship when you're in the middle, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I'm, I'm not done, but I'm quitting. I, this study has eaten me up. Paul and Silas they were on Silas was on his first missionary journey they went to a place and when they got there they weren't welcomed kind of like the missionary Brian Naren when he went to Nepal he wasn't welcomed he was put in jail Paul and Silas are put in jail and the Bible I mean here's what happened they they caught him they probably you know they tore, the Bible says they tore their clothes off and they beat them. And when the story picks up, I, I, I kid you not, I'm quoting directly from the Bible. It says this, And at midnight, I guess i say that again. I'll stand right here. It's more holy. And at mid 
middle of the night. The darkest time. Paul leans over to Silas and he says, Hey, buddy, are you ready to sing? Silas says, Oh, did they hit you with that stick as hard as they hit me? I'm hurting. They tore up my new suit. I got bruises and welts. Our hands are in shackles. Our feet are in chains. And you want to do what? It's not even the morning. It's not church time. And it's not Sunday morning. This ain't the time to be singing. This is the time to be crying. Why? Because I'm in pain and I want to see my mama. I don't know what they were thinking, but but Paul said, no, Silas, you don't get it. I've been here before. I know it's the first trip for you, but I've been in these bad, bad circumstances. And I can tell you what we have to do right now. It's time to worship. Yeah, but I'm hurting. No, if you, I guess what I'm trying to leave you with, if you can sing when you're in pain, if you can worship, when you're in the middle, you're going to get through. Paul and Silas begin to sing, and you know the rest of the story. Jailhouse rock. And the, the doors were open. The end of the story was the jailer got saved and a church was planted because somebody knew what to do in the middle of a problem. I don't know where you are in life and I don't know why God arranged it for me to come by here on this day. And, and I actually had highlighted other things. I, I'd known that Pastor had been impacted by that book. I, I thought about some of the things. That, I, 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 don't, I don't have a shortage of things to preach about. I've written 38 books, okay? so but, but today, this is what God said. And he took a little while saying it, and I apologize, but I don't know when I'll get back. So I... I didn't come to give you a sermonette for a Christianette. I wanted to give you something to chew on for a while. And if God thought enough to disrupt my schedule to make sure I'm here, it ha- there has to be somebody that needed to know what to do in the middle. And I can tell you now, if you worship in the middle, you'll celebrate on the other side. Don't let Satan steal your worship. I don't know what you're in the middle of, but why don't you just lift up a praise to God? Clap your hands. Make a a joyful noise to Him. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. I might be in the middle. I personal privacy keeps me from telling you what my wife and I are going through right now. I I, I really I didn't want to even say this and I'm honest with you. I I can't I cannot tell you because it's very private 
it's very personal and it will be something that we'll never be able to tell i've already had told my other kids i've told my mom they know we've cried a lot of tears and the struggle's not over we're we're in the middle we are maybe i was preaching to myself today keep worshiping but quite often god walks his prophets through something so they'll know how to passionately preach to somebody else this is how i got through so this is how you need to get through maybe someday 50 years in the future i can tell you what we were going through on this first of february but for right now i have to tell you i'm going through the same kind of stuff that you are and i've got the same answer for me as i've got for you i got the same joshua actually started teaching us what to do in the middle you want to know what to do in the middle you worship not just halfway not just woohoo you worship as deeply as passionately as you're going to worship when the keys are handed to you and you're in your promised house promised car promised land and if you can worship now you'll be there then amen amen did the word of god come alive in your heart i i hope i helped you today did did i help anybody oh, okay I spent a long time we talked before we sung in the middle and i preached after i appreciate your patience i know god sent me by here for a reason i'll probably never know the reason i don't need to but i just hope to help you what to do in the middle thank you pastor thank you for letting me come for being here he's going to give you a moment to be generous to what we do i had to send money on to nepal even though i didn't go i'm headed to france it's gonna be all right baby i'm serious when i say you don't know what we're in the middle of but i got the same advice for me as i've got for you worship I love you. Will you let me come back sometime? Is it okay? If I let her if I bring her with me, will you let me come? All right. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Wow. Come on. Wow, wow, wow. Gonna give you an opportunity to give today. I want you to plant a a great seed, a significant seed, uh, into the God Chasers Network. We'll make your checks out to God Chasers, to us, TGP, and then we'll write one check um, before they leave. And as you're doing that, I just want to um, just just mention that you know there, there's a saying that says uh, when you're going through hell, keep going. There's another saying that says there's it's hell in the hallway. And some of you are in a hallway right now. 
And just like what uh, Tommy was saying, you got to worship. And in the midst of a culture that's screaming for entertainment, God is screaming for your attention. And he's saying, will you worship? Will you bow down? My answer is yes. Yes, I'm going to worship. Yes, even when I don't understand it, I'm going to worship. I was praying for a Tommy and Jeannie yesterday here in the sanctuary. And the Lord gave me, said two things to me. And and keep getting your offerings together. And I want you to sow a significant seed. Don't add another two zeros to it. Um, because I want, because we need to seed into this. Because I'm going to release this word, and it's going to be released over both of them. And God is going to do something so significant uh, with them and through them. It's going to be an incredible season for you. But the Lord told me that God is releasing over both of you a second wind, a second wind. And He said that a new move will be shaken loose through the both of you. And it may look um, awkward, if that's the right word, in this season. But you know, Tommy, I followed you through your injury. And, um, and But I think that moment is, has prepared you for this new moment. And God is saying that what I'm about to do, and you're feeling there's some some, some transition, there's some things happening. Um, you're feeling the, the roughness, the rigidness, the narrow place. And the Lord is saying, I'm, you're about to be broken through into a next level. And um, it's been a pleasure Um scheduling with you and talking with you and being a part and I just really sense that in our we've never even talked on the phone but um, but I just really have sensed that there is a shift taking place even with you and um, he's, 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 he's taking y'all and y'all, y'all, y'all got prophecies before but, and, but I really feel like he's taking you into a new place with him and so um, even as this is a new place for you the Lord is saying I'm taking you into newer places and then you, you began today and said uh, the definition of insanity is doing the thing, same thing over and over again. And we all get stuck in that rut where we do the same thing over and over again. Expect God. To, the Lord is saying in this season, don't do the same thing. Don't do it. It's comfortable, yes. But this is a season where God is pushing us into uncomfortable places to, to, to allow him to do the wildest things. Are these rocks? Okay. <laughs> like what in the world? So I want you to stand with me. We've got a book in the back. We've got a CD in the back. Grab them. Yeah. So, Father, as we give into today's offering, we thank you, Lord, for God chasers. We thank you for the tinnies. We thank you for the next level that they're walking into. Father, I thank you, even as their movie, One Night with the King, God, she was created 
for such a time as this. I thank you that God Chasers was created for such a time as this. And whereas people would say, the tinnies are over. <laughs> and whereas people would say, uh, they will never be used again. The Lord says, I've got new plans and new strategies and new ways of reaching people. And the Lord says, I'm going to open up 12 new doors. The Lord says, 12 new doors are going to open unto you. And the Lord says, be prepared for I'm taking to new places, new territories, and revival will flow like the river. Revival will flow like rivers. And whereas you've experienced revival before, this new move, the Lord says, is different. And you're going to be caught up, says the Lord. And you're going to begin to see things you've never seen before. For the Lord says, a spirit of acceptance acceleration that's coming upon your ministry and you'll begin to even birth out new sons and new daughters and the Lord says you haven't seen anything yet for I am taking you higher into new realms and new even the Lord says new apostolic authority is going to rest upon your life so Father we thank you for this ministry in Jesus name We'll give you an opportunity to give. Come on, bring your uh, your offerings here into the bucket. You can also give it in the back. There's a black box receptacle. Thank you for your giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being here today. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Don't forget, Wednesday night we'll have Joan Hunter with us. We look forward to seeing you then. God bless you. Don't forget about the book and the CD in the back. God bless. We'll see you Wednesday.